ado, would you join me in prayer and we'll continue to dive into the message today. Lord, we come before you and we like to picture ourselves as clean slates that are so, that's soft, our ears are open so that your word would penetrate. And God, not the words of a pastor, but the words that you have given to us in your scriptures, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would feed and nourish, you would mold and transform us, that we would be inspired, but not just inspired, that we would be moved to live in a way that glorifies you, that walks in obedience to you. And so, Lord, as we continue on in this series of missions, as we desire to be people that were sent by you, uh, we ask that you would continue to spur us on individually and collectively as a local church and collectively as the universal church around the world, that, God, that you would receive all the glory from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So, Lord, be with us in this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, could you take a moment to just wave at each other and just welcome one another? Say good morning. You, it warms the hearts. Uh, Hollywood sign got snow and, you know, uh, I come back to California from a full week of board meeting uh, in Puerto Rico and it was really nice. And I'm like, I get to go back to California and it's 40 degrees and it's snowing. So th it's just such a strange thing. So. Uh, let me start with this statement. Some people are very difficult to love. And the church said, I'm just trying to see who said amen the loudest. <laughs> just, some people are just so difficult to love. Um, and, you know, we're in a world where there's so many platitudes. Uh, things like, all you need is love. Oh, I just love everybody. And sometimes we have this resistance to the religion and we say, oh, I don't need religion. I just, I'm about loving everyone. And so we have these platitudes that we are people who simply just want to be loving and love. But I don't know about these people, because I can't uh, judge them and know their heart. But I know this. I've been living for 49 years. I know I look like I'm 20. <laughs> Laugh all you want. Uh, but, boy, it is hard to look at people and say, boy, God, thank you for letting me love them. I mean, when you're traveling in airlines and people um, just are rude, or when you're driving and you're just like, you're not filled with love for them. Oh, God bless their heart. They cut me off. I love that person. That's a really nice civic, and that's, that person, God bless you. Uh, and some of you in church and family and your neighbors, some of you have neighbors who you're like, you're at church, you're going, I love everyone, Lord. And then you go home, and they put their trash can on our property again. And you feel not a lot of love. And so this, I think it's platitudes. And so forget strangers. Some of us struggle with loving our own family. Uh, if you have genuine family, it's hard to love other cousins, uncles, nephews, your parents. Some of us have a hard time loving our own community in church and school, your, your co-workers. And so the question becomes, God, if you're calling me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I might be able to do that. But if you're calling me to love my neighbor as myself, boy, it's hard. I've been stabbed in the back two, three, four times. 
how do I love people, God? And how do, you, how do I do it in a genuine, authentic, intentional way? And so if that's what you've been wondering, then you're in the right place because I've been mulling on that uh, as we've been going through our own Bible study. How do we love people that are hard to love? And so let's look at Jonah. And the whole four chapters of Jonah, it's an easy read. I would read it as a family over coffee or hot cocoa in like 10, 15 minutes. But the story of Jonah, I think we get an insight of why are some people so hard to love? So I'm going to break that out. I think there's two reasons why some people are hard to love. Okay? Number one, if we read Jonah, some people are hard to love because, to put it bluntly, they're just wretched, evil, bad people. They're just not lovable. They're pretty wicked. So Jonah was called by God in chapter 1, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. And we know why. Why? I hate these people. (laughs) Send someone else. I'm not going to proclaim your message so that they would repent. Jonah didn't want to go because he agreed with God. They are evil. They are wicked. And so if you go with me to, you, could, you don't have to go, but if you have your Bible, there's a book called Nahum. Nahum. In Nahum chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, Nahum is one of the minor prophets. Let me read to you why God tells us they are wretched people. So Nineveh is not just caricatured. They truly are wicked people. Let me read Nahum chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. God says, Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a harlot, alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. So before I finish, I mean, you heard violence, corruption, brutality, lust, sorcery, witchcraft. This is a nation that has completely rejected any semblance to God. And they just are devoid of any morality. Verse 5, this is God's conclusion. I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will lift your skirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and the kingdoms your shame. Nahum chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And so to this evil, wicked nation, Jonah's going, let them die. (laughs) God, why do you want me to go to them? They're terrible people. They're wicked. You know they're wicked. God, just... I don't want anything to do with it. So some of us, we find other people difficult to love because you're right. They may be morally corrupt, selfish, lying thieves, hypocrites. And so you feel justified not loving them because they deserve it. And so some people are hard to love because they genuinely are hard to love. So Jonah felt the same way. Some of us, we could relate to that. But there's something else in the book of Jonah that's insightful 
A second reason that Jonah tells us, the book of Jonah, why we find it hard to love. You ready for this? Now this one, you need to take a little bit of pause. Some people are difficult to love because we are wretched, evil, hypocritical people. Did you get that? It's not because they're just wicked, but if you read Jonah, it's us. And let me prove my point. Jonah wasn't used by God because he was righteous, like Noah was. Noah was a righteous man, right? And Joseph was a good man. Mary was a devoted woman who said, yes, Lord. But nothing is given about Jonah. In fact, if you read the book of Jonah and you try to do a character profile of Jonah, what do you get? You don't get a godly, humble man. You see an emotional passion. I think he's an ESFJ. He's, a, he's like me. He's like a Myers-Briggs, very extroverted, emotional, and he's got issues. So Jonah has these issues, but listen to this. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, this is an interesting first verse in, at the end, after God uh, removes his judgment on Nineveh because they repented. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And if you have your notes, it says, Jonah, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, could be translated in Hebrew. To Jonah, this was evil. What was evil? That God relented from punishing Nineveh. Jonah was really furious and said, God, because you are not punishing Nineveh, to me, this is evil. It made me so angry. Now, here's the thing. What is going on in today's text in Jonah 2? Jonah's writing a song. He's singing a song. Where is Jonah, everyone? Children, where is Jonah at this moment in chapter 2? He's in the belly of a fish. This is why we eat sushi. That's no, that's no relation. Um, so he's in the belly of a fish. Why is he in the belly of a fish? Because he should have died for running away, and God brought the storm, so they threw him overboard, and he should have drowned. But why is he not drowning? Because this fish saved Jonah. Why did this fish get there? Because God provided a fish to rescue Jonah. Instead of dying with seaweeds under the water and death and darkness, he's recognizing, God, you've shown mercy. Now, what does this all have to do with Jonah? A, a man who just experienced the mercy and salvation and the goodness of God is so angry that God showed mercy, salvation, and justice and peace to his enemies. Do you know what we call that, church? We call that hypocrite. <laughs> we call that delusional. We call that self-righteous. So why was Jonah having a hard time loving Nineveh? Because even in this prophet's own heart, he was wretched. We don't see our own wretched. This is why God, Jesus had to give a parable. Before you take the speck out of your brother's eyes, take the plank out of your own eye because it is so much easier for you to see someone else's sins than your own sins because you're blinded by your sins. That's the whole point of the parable. It's a plank. It's not just big. It's blocking your view, clearly. So you can see the specks in others, but you just are not recognizing your own. And so why do you have a hard time loving people? So if you would 
please humor me, it's because they, there are people that are hard to love, but it's also you and I have an issue. We are prone to hypocrisy. We are prone to want mercy from God, but we don't want God to give mercy to others. How are we going to have unity and reconciliation and mission with this heart? This is human nature. Some of you are not having these issues, and God bless you. I, maybe I'm the only one. But this is human tendency where we're like, you are so wretched, but I am sinless, <laughs> or I don't have any issues. And so these are the two reasons that Jonah gives us. So we see this going on. Jonah's not only hypocritical, he's racist. He's sinful. His inability to judge equally, he has a moral compass that is distorted. His compass is not looking up. And because of this, Jonah has a hard time loving. So, so friends, God tells us, go love your enemies. Say, let's say amen. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Because you know what the Bible is telling us? You know what God's telling us? It is not difficult to love enemies. You heard me right. The Bible is telling us it is not difficult to love enemies. It is impossible to love enemies genuinely with just this command. So let's pray. Do your best. Let's pray. You guys, some of you bowed your heads. Uh, if that was a sermon, you should go boo. Boo, that's terrible. And you should because you're right. It's not just a command to start doing. There has to be something else. Right? Because then you and I would be guilty, unfaithful, and we'd be saying something's wrong with me because I can't love my brother, my sister. I can't love my neighbor. I feel like a terrible Christian. So good news. I have good news. Say good news. All right, here's the good news. So what changed? Because Jonah is his nature, he ended up going to Nineveh. What was the change? What was the catalyst? So was it a, a force? Did God force him? Some would say, yeah, he had a fish. He got swallowed by a fish. So God forced him to go to Nineveh. Was that it? No. Oh, I know what it was. It was a threat. God said, if you do you don't go to Nineveh, I'll send another fish again. Did you see that? No. In fact, what changed in Jonah's heart that he may not be lovey-dovey with them, but he was willing to minister to them? That's where we have Jonah chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Jonah chapter 2 because I don't have time to make the slides because I only have five hours of sleep in 24 hours, but that's rambling. Um, Jonah chapter 2. Jonah cries out while he's in the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord when? In my distress, when I was in the belly of Sheol. You know what Sheol is? Sheol is death. It's, it's not hell, hell, but it's almost hell. And in this death, he called out, and what happened? God was a God who heard his voice. For you cast me into the deep. This is brilliant. What is Jonah saying? Why am I in this belly of a fish? God, you put me here. 
And instead of us seeing Jonah being bitter, that God is actually showing discipline and some sort of repercussion for his unfaithfulness, Jonah seeing it as mercy. You put me here because I disobeyed you. I am wretched. I do see that I don't have love. And then all your waves and your billows passed over me. Verse 4, then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Jonah recognizes that the reason why he doesn't love is because of his own wretchedness. And this is key. Humility begins when we start recognizing our own sins, our own flaws, and recognizing that my life might be messy because of my own doing. And God has interacted, intervened in this moment by putting him in this situation. And Jonah says, I will still worship you. So in that humility, Jonah is seeing God's glory and beauty, God's mercy. The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Reeds were wrapped around my head. He's basically, some people actually said Jonah died. Some scholars actually say Jonah died. He didn't just get saved by the fish. He died, but God spit him out <laughs> onto dry land and he lived again. I don't know, but this could be literal. I see it closer to literal. At the root of this mountain, I went down to the land whose bars closed over me, yet you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. Did you hear it? What is changing in Jonah? He is recognizing 100% God is merciful to him, even in his disobedience. I'm going to say this, that we need to hear this. I need to hear this. You will sin this week. You will disobey God this week. And God's love and mercy for you is still unchanged in those moments. This is the wonder of God. You will fail. You are going to stab someone else in the back. You will be a jerk. And here's the good news for you and me. Yet still, God's mercy, love for you and me is unchanged. Thanks be to God. His love for us is not conditional, but his mercy for us gets even stronger when we fail. Jonah's recognizing that. He's recognizing your mercy for me, your, your great graciousness for me, your forgiveness. It's giving me life. And that's why in verse 8 he says, can you imagine those who worship other gods, those who pay regard to vain idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. That means, can you imagine if you worship any other God than our God? How hopeless and sad. Because my God forgives. What does your God do? Punishes you or you have to demand, give it to man. Verse 9, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice. So what's changing in Jonah? He's recognizing God's mercy and God's threat God's force is not what makes him go to Nineveh. It is God's love, grace, and mercy. This is more powerful than fear. This is why it says in 1 John, God is love. Love casts out fear. Parents, you know this. What's easier, 
I will punish you and take away your phone for 10 weeks if you don't do your homework. Is that motivational? Yeah. But how about this? I love you. I believe in you. I will walk with you. We're going to do this together. I want to encourage you. God has a purpose for you. I know you can do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. Which one is more motivational? They both are, but one of them will just meet it for the sake of fear. The other one is limitless because it's released in freedom. We just sang about that. That people in freedom sing songs of praise and joy. And so Tim Keller just this week kind of posted this. and I was like, thank you, Tim. This is so nice. It's perfect. Listen to this. If you understand the gospel that you are so lost that it took the death of the Lord of the universe to save you, then you can't look at anyone and say anything other than, I'm no better than you. The gospel gives you the power to resist the superiority complex. So how do you love people that are difficult to love? Not by your might and strength and your goodness, because that will make you proud, arrogant, big-headed. Like, look at me. I love my enemies. I'm so good at it. The gospel doesn't do that. The gospel says, who am I that God will give his only son, Jesus, to give me life when I was in Sheol, when I was in the belly, when I was drowning in death, that God would die for me. That mercy causes me to look at anyone else and say, I want them to experience the same God who redeems and saves us. And that drives us to love, or maybe not like, but begins to start moving us towards people we may not even like to serve them, to love them. Because we can't change them. But who can? The God of mercy. So this is the good news. So Jonah, in this mercy and transformation, goes. But this is not just Jonah. Do you remember the Samaritan woman? She was cast out. No one liked her. So she went to get water by herself at noon. She was like the, uh, the, the loose woman, had five husbands. No friends. Do you know what she does after the encounter with Jesus? She goes to the wretched people she doesn't like and doesn't like her and says, come hear everything about this man. He told me everything about me. Why did she do that? She encountered the Lord of mercy, grace, and truth and love. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a short man. He was so angry and bitter. He robbed from people and exploited them. Do you know what did he do by the end of his life? Lord, I'm going to give back everything and then some. I'm going to bless everybody here. Why did he do that? Because Jesus walked into his life literally had food with him, and he experienced mercy, joy, and love for people who didn't deserve it. But Zacchaeus felt it. And because of that, he was able to bless the people that were so needy. Um, we're doing this book, our Bible study this week. I want to read this line. I was like so, so amazed by this. So, this is in the end notes. 
this account, Jonah speaks to the question, do I have to love every person before I share the gospel with them? Jonah's answer is no. You don't have to love them. All you need is to know God's mercy yourself. A missionary preparing for Bible translation with an ethnic group in West Africa was asked, how did you come to love these people? The man shocked the audience by saying, I don't love these people. Then he continued, I know that Jesus loves me and Jesus loves these people and I pray that I'll come to love them but I'm not going because I love them. I'm going because I've experienced God's mercy through Jesus Christ and I want them to have the same opportunity to receive God's mercy in Christ. How do you love difficult people? It starts with your wretchedness and a holy God who shows mercy to us when we don't deserve it. And that melts us. It destroys us in the best way possible. And this is a battle we cross every day. This is why Jesus says, count your blessings, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Daily. Not just in a revival. So Asbury revival, God bless him. And I, I know it's the work of God. But here's a true test of the pudding. Do it every day. Seek his face and know his mercy. And then let that propel you to go out. Because church, we're so good at this. We like to be superior. You know, let's go help those poor, miserable people. We'll, we'll show them a little love. That's not the motivation. The motivation is this. Look at those people. That's who I am in my heart. That's where I was. And that's where I could be if it's not for the mercy of God. I want them to experience the transforming power of Christ that I have to make me be here. And so you don't go then because you love them, per se. You go because you want them to experience and know the love of God. This is not just for missionaries. This is for the churches. This is for the families. It begins by God's mercy for us. And where's my bulletin? So we're going to sing a song as a response. But I, wanted to, I was like, wow, this song captures Jonah too and we'll close. As we sing this in a few minutes, can you sing it as your prayer? Please listen to the words. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. That's the Jonah language. You, you, got, you and I were in trouble. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. It's not that I found salvation. It's not that I found the best religion in the world. It's not that I'm better than you and I fixed myself. You could do it too. It's I'm in the darkness and the only thing that can save me is Jesus Christ, my living hope. This transforms us. Amen. Can we take a moment to pray? And I'm going to ask the praise team just for two, three minutes. I know we're a little over, but I want to just take a moment to pray. And you thought I was going to say pray for those people you don't love. But I'm going to go back to what happened to Jonah. Confess, God, who am I that you show mercy to me? Who am I that you love me that you would give your only son? Thank you. Thank you so much for forgiveness. Thank you for being a God who knows everything about me 
and you have not given up on me. In that good news, melt away. I'm melted in love, and I want the world to experience that. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord, we pray. Starting here. God, it is so hard for us to be people who love. It's so hard, God, in my heart to see those that I struggle and wrestle with to be even nice. And God, we're reminded this morning that in just Jonah, that in this sliver of a moment before Jonah went back to his old ways, there was a glimpse of the gospel. That there was a glimpse where in Jonah he saw your mercy for him and it changed everything. God, we thank you for the mercy we have in Christ. We thank you, Father, for the ways that you propel our hearts and that you give us the means to live day to day. And so starting with me, forgive me, God, for, for living in a way that was just my own morality. Thank, forgive me, Lord God, for the, the hardness of heart, the bitterness towards people. And God, let your mercy and grace melt that away. And Lord, in this room, help us to pray in a way that would just absorb and dissolve God, the bitterness of chains, that they have no chance against the blood of the cross. That the Christ has given us this freedom and this hope. And so, Lord, we are praying that the way we could love our community in this world, it's not by trying harder, but God, it's by recognizing your incredible agape, unconditional love for us. And so, Lord, start with us. And may we look at the world differently. May we see the strangers differently. May we even see racists differently and our family and, and those in church. And give us a renewal. Give us a revival. Bring us together in this reconciliation that only Christ could bring. That we could bring this hope to the world. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you hear and that you move that you surprise and you, you bring something about in our lives that could be meaningful, not just for this moment, but for every day. I thank you, Lord, that we are all Jonas. We are all this people who have a taste of religion and we, we think we figured it out. But I thank you that you shatter that and you bring us back to just who you are. That it is not us, but it is you that gives us all that we need. And so, God, I pray that to CPCLM and all the churches, that there would be a churning in our hearts, a dis holy discomfort of our own self-righteousness or hypocrisies, that we want mercy, but we don't want to give mercy. And that, God, the cross of Christ would shatter that, that the good news of Jesus Christ would just dissolve that so we can walk and be, until the very end of our breath, people of reconciliation, as we proclaim the risen Savior. It is in his name we pray.